Welcome to Story Geometry. I'm your host, aspiring novelist, filmmaker, and Southerner, Ben Hess. The South is my nation. I tell people that the three things that are most telling about me is I'm Southerner, um, I was raised poor, and I'm a lesbian. And if you do not understand those three things, you don't understand me and my work. This is the podcast with insights on the craft and community of writing from leading published authors of our day, including National Book Award finalist, that's Dorothy Allison. Today's episode is number six, Location, 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 and presented in partnership with literary nonprofit Writing by Writers. If you want to hone your craft, why not sign up for a 2016 workshop in Boulder, Colorado, or Methow Valley, Washington, and do it today. Simply visit writingxwriters.org for all the details. All right, just those earbuds, turn up the car radio, buckle those seatbelts, as we are about to travel around the country, from Appalachia to California, with Josh Weil, the Sue Kaufman Prize winner for First Fiction. From the Deep South to New York with Dorothy Allison. And from New York City to upstate New York to Marin County, California with New York Times bestselling writer Tom Barbash. And there might, just might, be a surprise reading at the end of the episode from the queen of frequent flyer miles herself, award-winning writer and teacher, Pam Houston. So stay tuned. I sat down with novelist Josh Weil in Tomales Bay, California, and talked about his recent novel, The Great Glass Sea, and the novella collection, New Valley. And thinking about um, New Valley and, and Appalachia and, and both your origin and story setting, if you had been brought up here, Marin County or, or some other parts of the U.S., you know, do you think that you could have written that kind of story? Or do you feel that the location of, of youth and upbringing really informed that early writing especially? By that kind of story, do you mean something set in Appalachia, or that and the despair, the loneliness, the relationships? Uh-huh. Too. <laughs> I think the despair and loneliness and relationships is all me. So I think, <laughs> I, I think, <laughs> I think I would have written that. It would have been a very different story set in Marin, you know, than than it would be set in Appalachia. The location is very important to me. I, I find. I need to to have my hands firmly around the the physical world of where I'm writing in order to, to get the story to f- to feel real for me. And and Appalachia in particular, uh, I w- I didn't grow up there. I was born there and then moved away when I was very young, um, and then didn't get back until I was 19. And my dad and brother and I built a cabin on some land that my dad had down there. And then that became really for my young adult life the closest thing I had to home. I spent a lot of time down there, a lot of time alone down there, writing down there. Dorothy Allison grew up immersed in the life and community of the rural South. She's depicted so eloquently. We chatted after breakfast in a dining hall in Tomales Bay, California. I started uh, the manuscript that became Bastard Out of Carolina. Um, I think I wrote some of the earliest pieces when I lived in Tallahassee, Florida. Mm. But I moved north I always tell people I move north one woman at a time, <laughs> one city at a time, and, and I relocated slowly up the East Coast to, so that um, the decade that it took me to write Bastard was a decade in which I was moving north. I finished it. Uh, I actually didn't finish it until I moved to San Francisco. Okay. I okay. left New York for San Francisco. And I left in part to become a real writer, to stop working constantly at so many one, jobs to make money, but also I had been a feminist activist and I was so engaged in 
political activism uh, that it was very hard to steal time to write. Right. And Correct, I yeah. moved to San Francisco to be poor and finish a book. There you go. Did, too. Sure did. Finished a book that became a National Book Award finalist and launched a career. I love this testament to persistence, a decade to write the novel, and the determination to carve out a life where she could focus on her writing. Tom Barbash, author of the award-winning collection Stay Up With Me, the novel The Last Good Chance, and the nonfiction bestseller On Top of the World, did the same when starting his career. I began in nonfiction. What I like to say about it is that when I was a reporter, my job, I was in upstate New York, and I was stationed in Oswego County. I worked for the Syracuse Post Standard, and my job every day was to look for stories. And my second part of my job was to go out and listen to people and uh, who are different, whose lives are different. And I'd been a city kid. I grew up in New York City, and I was living in a rural county. And it seemed, I didn't know it at the time, but it was a perfect education for a fiction writer. I needed to listen well. Have you noticed how rarely we actively listen? It's something I pay close attention to as both a video producer and also doing these interviews. Like Tom, I think it informs writing tremendously, character speech patterns and traits and their frame on the world. Here's more from Tom. And I got a lot of my first short stories and I got my first novel out of that experience, or I drew on those as I, as I began to write fiction. And made the transition, I started to be really interested in the way other people thought and spoke and beginning that, that notion of w- with stories of writing from another perspective, a perspective that w- was different than mine and finding that I could do it was very exciting to me. And I did that, you know, in a few feature articles. And then, then I, I, I started to realize that, that I wanted to write stories and, and I started to. New York City has always seemed so alive, so vibrant when I visit. So I asked Dorothy, Living in New York, is that recommended rite of passage for, for, for a, <laughs> a writer or aspiring writer, aspiring artist? Do you need just to kind of get that on your bucket list and get it out of your system? Or is it something you would go back to if you could do it all over again? I think it's pitifully hard these days. New York City real estate is the most expensive in the world. But I do think that the productive thing is to actually go into a territory or landscape that is alien from your place of birth. Yeah. Because then you look back. And the narratives that you will form, in some ways it becomes romantic. A lot, a lot of my thinking about the South has a tendency to move toward the romantic. It's just good that I'm such a pragmatic realist. Otherwise, I'd write tripe all the time. Uh, um, but you need, you need to see it from the outside to see it at all. And that does help. Moving to an urban center after growing up in the rural South is very productive. Speaking of the rural South, here's Josh Weil. My best friend was a guy who's now dead, but he was uh, in his 80s, lived, you know, kind of a few hills over, and I'd walk down and visit him, bring some fresh asparagus, and he'd give me some moonshine. To be clear, Josh was in his 20s at the time, and asparagus for moonshine? Love this. We'd hang out, you know, and just talking with him, and I really fell in love with that part of the world. Uh, Maybe it's because I was born that there's something that speaks to me about it, but the novellas in my first book very clearly grew out of that place. Uh, And in fact, now I'm thinking about writing something that's set back there again, and I've been living out in California for three years, and I feel so disconnected from it that although I have a six-month-old, luckily my wife is very generous and understanding you know we're trying to figure out ways for me to get back there just for a couple weeks at a time so i can reconnect with the place uh, in order to write about it quick pause to say i'm ben hess this is story geometry and today's theme location 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 
After the break, you'll hear more from Dorothy Allison about her Southern heritage, her new novel, and a reading from Pam Houston. So stay tuned. Story Geometry's partner, Writing by Writers, is kicking off 2016 with more workshops and conferences in Colorado, Washington State, and California. Currently scheduled faculty include science and adventure writer Craig Childs, Pulitzer Prize finalist Luis Alberto Urea, novelist and poet Ron Carlson, novelist and memoirist Andre Debuse III, and novelist and anti-memoirist Lydia Buknovich. How to sign up, you ask? Simply visit writingxwriters.org. We're back, talking location, location, location. And here's more from my chat with Dorothy Allison on her Southern roots. You, you've now made a life out here in California, but you're still considered a Southern writer. And, and, that, and that is inherent in all of your work, or most of your work. And I just wanted to have you speak a little bit about the South and what that's meant. It's very hard to claim respect. And in some ways, claiming respect as a Southerner is the hardest. You know, we are a disreputable people. <laughs> now, there are days when I claim that disrepute, and I'm proud of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I remember, too, uh, making the conscious effort to dampen down my accent because that that stigma of that accent means uneducated that accent means you don't have the intellect and there are some Stupid. wonderful thinkers of course from the south who, who talk with that thick drawl yeah. but i i remember specifically thinking i better neutralize and keep it out of my speech you learn that very quickly although i also learned the opposite particularly when i moved to new york i learned that if i get really southern on them I could get a whole lot of sympathy and assistance. I'd get lost on the subway system, ask somebody for help. And if I tried to talk like a New Yorker, they were like, get away from me, bitch. But if I was like, y'all can't help me, please? And they're like, ooh, a misplaced Southerner. And, then, and they, there is in this country, along with the concept that Southerners are stupid, there is a kind of um, romance about the South and Southerners yeah. uh, that you can use to your advantage when you're a young woman in the New York City. I recommend it, especially if you're stopped by policemen. Yes, there you go. New York City words of wisdom from Dorothy. Tom Barbash grew up in the city before moving upstate to start his career. I'm just wondering, what about setting and location and how, likewise, that impacts uh, the kind of style of a, of a piece? Yeah, I would say that my New York City stories tend to be different than my upstate New York stories. Um, different in pace, different in vocabulary, a little bit. So yeah, I think I think setting ways into um, into style as well. I would say. And then what I was saying before about the collaboration between character and and style is that it the the stories that deviate that, that that are they're not experimental, but they're slightly different in form. Like like I have a second person story and an epistolary story, and those needed to be told that way because of who the characters are. The, that, and that's, that was my sense, is that I try to, and, I, and what I like in experimentation is when it grows out of character, and um, I think it does that way. Rather than saying, I'm gonna write this particular t type of experimental story regardless of the character. I, I don't think, some characters may reject that idea. You grew up in New York City, and then lived in upstate, and worked in upstate, and, and then fast forward to being in the Bay Area in beautiful Marin County, I'm wondering what's your perspective on having lived in both and the energy in both and how that informs your writing. I think they're both great places to be a writer. I mean, there's a very good nurturing writing community here in New York is, you know, would be an amazing and exciting place to be as a writer. I think the finances in New York, actually, I, I would say that, and it's very expensive to live here too. So in, in some ways, 
you know, you have a writer like Jess Walter who's made his life in Spokane, Washington. Just to confirm, Walter wrote the recent award-winning novel, Beautiful Ruins. Just another to add to your list if you haven't read it yet. He's got this great situation where it's, it's inexpensive. He doesn't have to teach. These are the best places to be if you want something exciting happening every night, you know, and because there's almost always something kind of cool right. going on in the literary world and people always move through on book tour and I get to see everybody and I run our reading series at my college and I bring great people in all the time. But for getting your work done, there are plenty of places and cheaper places are probably better. We've talked about Dorothy's distance from the South to inform Bastard out of Carolina. Her upcoming novel is set in Manhattan. And I ask her, why New York City? I was seriously ill two years ago. And at one of the lowest points in the illness, when I really, I thought I was dying. And my doctor tells me I was dying. And I was only semi-conscious and moving back and forth from being aware to being in a dream state. And while in that dream state, I started dreaming uh, about walking in Manhattan, where I lived for some years when I was young. And the dream was so visceral. I lost 70 pounds in four months. That's and incredible. And while you're going through these thoughts and thinking about Manhattan, that became the kernel of the novel. Yes. Not only did it become the kernel of the novel, it became the place that I went for comfort. When you're in that much pain and that weak, it's just so wonderful to go into a dream state. That is deeply satisfying. The odd thing is that um, it wasn't that specific, except that I was walking in Manhattan, and I couldn't walk. Um, and I was walking in the Manhattan of my youth. Uh-huh. Not today's Manhattan. Right, not today's Manhattan. Not, uh, not in high real estate market New York City now, but um, in the early 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And in fact, the manuscript I'm working on, the working title is 1971, uh, because she goes back to 1971. Mark those calendars. Dorothy says... My agent, my editor, and I pretty much agree that it's about two years from now when the book will most likely be out. And for another auditory sneak peek, Pam Houston says her writing almost always begins in landscape. And here she is reading an excerpt from her upcoming memoir, working title, The Ranch, A Love Story, about life on her 100-acre ranch at 9,000 feet in Colorado. And the William Pam refers to is one of her beloved wolfhounds. The other thing I just thought I would do real quick is just read just a couple paragraphs to give you a feel of the memoir. And what I'm talking about is is actually depression and its cure at the ranch is what is the context of this. Time to move. On this point, all selves are in agreement. Put the smart wool on, lace my boots, don my barn coat, cut the apples, cut the carrots, feed the equines from my hands. Cut the string that holds the bale of grass hay together, two flakes for the mini donkeys, six for the horses, everything that is left for the sheep. Top off the horse water, top off the sheep water, double check the heaters in the troughs. Listen to the reassuring thump of cold boot soles on frozen ground, the comforting crunch of equine teeth grinding hay, the otherworldly whoosh of wing beats overhead, the bald eagle who winters upriver back after his one-year hiatus. The forecast is calling for wind and possibly snow tonight, but right now it is perfectly still and almost 20, too warm for my heavy barn coat. The creek at this time of year with all the freezing and unfreezing is an ice sculpture. The willows that line it, pencil drawings. The mountaintop beyond it already feet deep in snow. The puppy is charging and leaping to see above what's left of the tall grass while William, the three-year-old, patrols the perimeter. 
From here, I can see Middle Creek Road, Lime Creek Road, as well as the state highway across the river. And though this represents some fairly large percentage of all of the roads in Mineral County, for the hour we'll be walking, not one car will come by. Out here on this acreage, I've learned not only to hear my own voice, but to recognize what makes my heart leap up and then go towards it. The snowshoe hare, halfway through his biannual color change that William scares up along the back fence, his big white feet flashing as his still tawny body gains distance. A coyote sitting dignified and still as a church 200 yards across the pasture, watching us make our way to the wetland and then the flash when William sees him, and he sees that William sees him, his total evaporation into thin air, like a ghost dog come from some other plane of being. These are the things that have always healed me. It just took me half a lifetime to really trust them, to understand how infallible they are. Moving through space, preferably outdoor space, preferably outdoor space that maintains some semblance of nature, if not this nature, some other nature. When I'm happy, it's a carnival out here, and when I'm sad, it is almost too beautiful to bear, but not quite. It is definitely too beautiful to contemplate leaving. I climb the hill where the homesteader, Robert Pinkley, the first man to build a cabin on this land, is buried. And I know well that when I claimed this 120 acres, it also claimed me. We are each other's mutual saviors. Thank you. Warm thanks to Dorothy Allison, Josh Weil, Tom Barbash for sharing their thoughts on location and place that informs their amazing writing, and to Pam Houston for sharing an excerpt from her upcoming memoir. I produced and edited today's episode. Won't you say hi on Twitter or Instagram, at Ben Hess? Our theme music is from Mark Hotchkin, and today's opening music is from The Responders, featuring poet, writer, and teacher Greg Glazner on guitar and vocals. Be sure to rate and review Story Geometry on iTunes. We need more of these reviews so others can find the show. And of course, sign up for future Writing by Writers events and conferences at writingxwriters.org. Thanks for listening.